Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. If you Google, who is Jesus, then you'll get about 1,420,000,000 different search results. Probably safe to say that people want to know who Jesus really is. Was he really God's son? Was he a man, but a great teacher? Was he even real, or a made-up story to push an agenda? And these are just some of the most common questions asked about him. But what if we could really know for sure? What difference would it make in our lives? We explore these questions and more in our current series, Who is Jesus? Let's continue the Upward Journey. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, Upward family. So good to see each and every one of you today. It's great to be together today. Let's welcome our online family. Love you guys so much. People watch online from all over, and we're so glad you are with us today joining us. I'm telling you, God is up to some good things here at Upward Christian Fellowship. I'm so excited to see what God is doing. He's doing some amazing things, some unexplainable things. We're seeing things happen and saying only God can do this. And the only explanation for what's going on is it's a God thing. You know, we just completed a couple weeks ago a 21-day fasting together. We were praying and fasting as a church together for 21 days. And one of the things we asked God to do was to heal sick bodies. You see, we still believe God's in the healing business today. We still believe God heals. We still believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God gives to His church to take forward the mission of Jesus Christ. And did you know God is healing sick people here at Upward in our family in a big way? I've gotten so many calls this week. A young man called me, and he'd been in for his mother called me. He'd been in the hospital and had a heart procedure done. And shortly after coming out of the hospital this week, they had to take him back, rushed him to the hospital. His heart was in AFib really bad. They were going to likely admit him to the hospital. His mom and his family, they all called around the church family, and we started praying together about 3.30. And about 3.30, the nurse walked into his room. He took a deep breath, and that AFib stopped instantly, and he turned around and he went home. But wait, there's more. One of our precious young ladies who's on the worship team, part of one of our staff families, was having last week a high fever, 103, and medicine wouldn't touch it, medicine wouldn't stop it, and she could not get over it, nothing would stop it. Went into the emergency room, they thought she had appendicitis. They called around and God's people started praying. They did her blood work and they said, we don't understand it, your blood is pristine, perfect. When they did the CAT scan, she had no problem. She came home, was healed, and was up here on the platform this morning, worshiping God. But wait, there's more. One of the ladies just this morning came in, and, you know, my wife had had a battle with very severe anemia over a year. And this lady in the church sits back in the back, and her and Alexa would talk every Sunday and kind of compare blood numbers. They kind of became uh, anemia buddies, if you will. That's probably a bad term, but that's what they were. They were sharing, bearing one another's burdens. And I announced just a couple weeks ago that Alexa had been touched by God and her hemoglobin was up to 13.2, and it's still high. It's still wonderful. That lady told me, she said, when you announced that, I went back to the doctor, and my hemoglobin was exactly 13.2 as well. So they are buddies. 
Can you take another one? I might just stop and tell stories today. Baby born in our, one of our staff families. Our staff has been hit with this, and God has been healing our staff families. Baby just born to a staff family, just born last Sunday morning. And that baby uh, this week that only uh, been here about four days, baby came home, was home for two hours, and that baby's heart rate started dropping, and the heart was very erratic and was in very serious condition. They rushed him to the hospital by ambulance. He was at Mission Hospital. I went up and prayed. Others went up with prayed. We told people around the church to pray. And you know what? That baby came home the next day. That baby's fine this morning. I've met with the family today. That baby's fine today. Don't ever go through these things and just say, oh, it wasn't anything. Many, many times in our lives, it was something. And God came in and healed that disease. And he's healed people this week. And he can do that for you. Amen. I'm just thankful God's answering our prayers. And you go back and read those five things we prayed for during the 21 days. You're going to see those things coming to pass more and more as we move forward. God is so, so good. We want to welcome you to part two of this series called Who is Jesus? We are in search of the real Jesus. Didn't that just sound like a PBS documentary title right there? In search of the real Jesus. But we want to find the real Jesus. We don't want modern-day Jesus. We don't want American Jesus. We certainly don't want Republican or Democrat Jesus. We don't want angry Jesus. We don't want feel-good Jesus. We want the real Jesus. And we need the real Jesus in our lives. And in order to find the real Jesus, we've gone to a great source. We've gone all the way back 2,000 years ago to a man named John, who was one of the early disciples, who was one of the first apostles and leaders in the early church. And John was this unique individual. John uh, came to Jesus. Jesus called him and his brother James. They were fishermen. Any fishermen in the room today? Only a few. Any hotheads in the room today? Because they were hotheads too. More hotheads than fishermen this morning. How many of you have had a temper at some point in your life? Maybe still do. You could go from zero to 60 in two seconds flat, and you're wide open angry. Hotheads, right? Uh, interesting thing is this, that John, and later in his life, John was called the apostle of love. He was the longest living disciple. He was writing the New Testament after everyone else because he outlived them all. The other of the original 12 disciples all died. Judas, of course, committed suicide. The other apostles in the 12, all of them died as a martyr. They were all killed for their faith and their testimony in Jesus Christ. John, interesting thing about John, they tried to kill him. You know what they tried to do with John? They threw him into a vat. They basically threw him into a big deep fryer. In boiling oil, they threw him in there, and he wouldn't fry. They pulled him out with no ill effects and said, oh, well, we can't kill him. He lived to a ripe old age and was one of the church leaders well into his old age. And they would bring John to a congregation, and they would have him speak to a congregation and he would get up, and instead of preaching, he would just say this. These were his last words. 
Little children love one another. But he started as a hothead. You know how I know that? It's in the Bible. Jesus called his brother James and John together. And one day they're walking towards a Samaritan village. And James and John and Jesus are there. And Jesus had sent messengers ahead to the village that he was coming so that they could get ready for his ministry. Well, believe it or not, this particular Samaritan village just said no thanks. Because you can say no thanks to Jesus. He will not force his way into your village or into your life. This particular Samaritan village said no thanks. When they brought back the message to Jesus, you're not welcome here. James and John were with Jesus. And here's their response. They said, Lord, could we just call down fire from heaven to burn the whole town? You ever known anybody that overreacts? They get their Whopper and it has no cheese and they want to burn Burger King to the ground? Dare I ask for any hands to go up to say maybe I've been, burn it down, they've messed up my french fries. James and John wanted to nuke the whole town. Call in the nukes, God, burn it up. And Jesus said, whoa, boys. And this is what I love about Jesus. You want the real Jesus. This is not in the text today, but I'm going to give you this. This is free. Jesus gave people nicknames. He did. He called Simon Rocky. Say, I don't read that in the Bible. That's what Petros means. Peter means rock. He called him the rock. Did you know there was a the rock before the rock? I don't know if Peter could do the eyebrow thing, but uh, he was the rock before there was the rock. After this happened, Jesus looked over at James and John, and I think he did it with a sense of humor. He said, burn them up, huh? He said, I'm going to call you from now on the sons of thunder. That sounds like a tag team wrestling team right there. That'd be a good sons of thunder. And I think for the rest of his earthly life, Jesus saw those guys coming in the door and said, here, look out, boys. Here come the the sons of thunder. You make them mad, they'll want to burn it down. But think about this for a minute. The guy that wanted to burn everything down at the end of his life, was known as the apostle of love. You know what that tells me? Jesus changes people. Jesus changes people. He remakes people. Have you ever been frustrated with a person in your life you were trying to change? I'm stirring the pot now, right? I'm stirring up. You ever wanted your husband to change? You can say amen, because I'm going to ask the opposite question. You ever wanted your wife to change? Have you ever been frustrated because you couldn't change them? Tell you something, Jesus can change people. I have seen people get saved, come to Jesus, and actually look like a different person, because they are a different person when Jesus becomes their Lord. They are. We're jumping into John chapter 1 today and verse 3. And and I'm so excited about this word, about this whole series. Last week we learned something powerful from John 1 verses 1 and 2. We learned that 
Jesus is the God of the whole world who is both personal and eternal. We learn Jesus is God over the whole world who is both personal to us and eternal God at the same time. Today we're going to learn that Jesus is the creator of the whole world who is both life and light. He is the creator of the whole world who is both life and light. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together this morning? Three verses from John 1, 3 through 5. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. One more time, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the doing of His Word. You may be seated this morning. The first thing I want you to hear that John says to us is this, Jesus is the creator of the whole world. Jesus created everything. John says it both ways. He created everything. And there's nothing that is that He didn't create. Jesus made it. Theologians say it this way. They say that Jesus is the agent of creation you look at John 1, it mirrors Genesis 1, and we talked about it last week. Both chapters begin with, in the beginning. What does it say in Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. Oh, that sounds just like John 1. We have light. We have God. Where do you find Jesus in in Genesis 1? I'm going to give you this statement. And God said, let there be light. Where's Jesus in there? Two words. First word is said. What did we say Jesus was the last week? What did John call him? In the beginning was the Word. The Word. God said See, it's important to understand that Jesus is the expression of God. Jesus is the Word of God. What comes out of God's mouth is Jesus. When God comes to earth, it's Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And God said, let there be light. Second word in there, light, that John uses over and over again. He uses those two terms, life and light, as a theme throughout the book of John. And we have an introduction to it in this passage. Jesus created everything. And there's a lot that He created. When we begin to explore the universe and understand how big it is, we did not understand how big the universe was until we began to explore it. And when we began to really explore the universe, it was so big that we had to come up with new units of measurement. Inches, feet, and miles Just don't cut it when you're measuring the universe. Because if you talk about the universe in terms of miles, the numbers you've got to use don't even make sense to our minds. 
We've got to make it manageable. So scientists came up with this cool unit of measurement called the light year. Now, it sounds like a light year would be a measurement of time, but it's not. A light year is a, is a measurement of actual distance. Many of you know this, but a light year is how far light travels in a year. Say, how far is that? I can't even imagine the number. But there is an exact number. Light travels at about 186,000 miles a second. That's fast. A light year is how far that same light traveling at that speed would go in a year. That's a long way. Think about that. That 186,000 miles a second is faster than your hot rod. It's faster than your drag car. Just imagine for a moment, just for a moment, if, you could, if we could come up with a car that would go 186,000 miles a second. You better buckle up. You probably better get a better body because I don't know that the human body could even bear for a moment something traveling the speed of light. But let's just imagine we could get a car that would travel the speed of light. You could get to Myrtle Beach just like that. And back and back and back. You could drive across Texas in a millisecond. Anybody ever driven across Texas? That's a long haul, my friends. You could be across, te- you could be across, you could circle the world, boom, 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 so many times in just a moment. But hear me on this. If you had that same vehicle that could go that fast and you headed out for the nearest star, it'd still take you a couple years to get there. That's how far away it is. That's how big, and that's the closer ones. Jesus created all of that. If you shrink us down to our smallest particle, the atom, the proton, the, uh, you, you just get us down to the smallest particle. Jesus created all of that. Yeah. Everything you've ever seen, touched, every person you've ever been around, everything you've laid your hand on, Jesus made it. In fact, He made the very tree that we crucified Him on. You imagine that for just a minute. The Creator of the universe was crucified and killed and gave His life on a tree He made. It says something about Jesus. You know, one of the most important things you'll ever learn is this. Jesus is not only your Savior. Jesus is your Creator. We see Him as the Good Shepherd. We see Him as the Savior. We see Him as the Lord. We see Him as the one who can touch and change our lives. But friends, I want to invite you today to see Him, if you've not already, on a higher level. I want you to see Him as the one who created the whole universe. Because when you see Him as Creator, it changes the way you and I live. When I realize that God created me, I have a sense of accountability to Him. Say, what, God, what right does God have to tell me how to live? Last time I looked, the best person to write an owner's manual is the manufacturer. The person that made it knows how it ought to run. The person that made it knows the specifications under which it should operate. The person that made it understands the boundaries in which it can operate safely and understands well that if it crosses those boundaries, it'll blow up. Anybody ever blown up? 
including me? Anybody ever blown up? I'm looking for somebody besides me. You know why? We went outside the owner's manual. Because we're created. All of us are accountable to a holy God. You may think you don't have any accountability in your life, but you and I and everybody who's ever lived will stand before Jesus Christ and we will bow the knee and with our tongues confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do that now. Do that now. When I know I'm created, it gives me a sense of purpose. I know I'm put on this earth for a reason. I know that I'm not some random accident that just happened, but that you and I are down here to fulfill a mission given by us individually and personally. Every, pe- every person that lives, every person in this room, every person onli- uh, online this morning, God has placed you on planet earth for a purpose. And you're longing to discover that purpose. That purpose is found in acknowledging Jesus as your creator. When I came to know Jesus, I came to understand that I had a reason for being here on earth. Before that, life felt random. But it's not random. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he knew the purposes which he'd assigned you to on this earth. Best way on earth to find out why you're put here is to get in touch with your Creator and have a relationship with Him. And when you do, day by day, moment by moment, He unveils your purpose. And He makes it happen in your life. Such power to understand that we are created by Jesus Christ. Now, one of the most harmful things that has happened in our world, and the effects of it we're still seeing today, is the teaching and the acceptance of the theory of evolution. One of the most damaging things to our culture is believing that we came from lower life forms into who we are today. Some people say, Pastor, you've got to acknowledge some evolution. If if two short people get married, their child's going to probably be short. Can we accept that? Sorry, Deborah, but uh, she laughed when I said that. Two short people get married, they're going to have a short child. And if that short child marries another person that's short, they're going to be short too. And if you keep doing that, people are going to get shorter. People say that proves evolution. Let me just tell you something. That is about a billion miles away from one species changing into another species altogether. Are you with me this morning? There's a big difference in saying that and in saying there was a primordial soup, which I guess is a mud puddle basically, that out of developed a multi-cells and then that became a tadpole and the tadpole grew legs and then he walked out of that puddle and over billions of years became a monkey and a couple years later was us. Man, that's a leap. That's a leap in the dark. I want to say this and I want to be kind, but if you live your life as if there's no God, you've got to find all kinds of theories to support you and comfort you so that you can live in denial. If you live as if there's no God, you'll do everything you can to try to prove He's not there. But I want you to know, I believe that every human being down deep in their heart, down deep in their soul, down deep in their spirit really knows 
that the idea that we just came out of nothing is total baloney. There's no evidence to support it. You can't prove it. Here's the deal. If there's a design, there's got to be a designer. Think about the chair you're sitting on. Did that happen randomly? Somebody said, we need a chair, let's build one. And they designed it, and here they are. Things do not go from a state of disorder to order just by letting them go. Try not mowing your grass for the next six weeks, and you tell me how orderly your yard looks. If your yard is manicured and highly organized and looks better than it did six weeks before, I'll believe in evolution. It won't happen. Because nature, left to itself, gets more disorderly. It's called the law of entropy. Science. When I was a kid, my freshman year of college, I went and I signed up for biology and chemistry because I love all that stuff. And I was taking several science classes. I love science. And uh, I sat down in my freshman biology class and had a teacher there. And he was really a very skilled teacher. He could give a great lecture that would just enthrall me. And I would just listen to everything he said. At the beginning of the semester, he told us, in so many words, he said, if you're in my class and you have faith in God, I'm going to set you free from all that this semester. And you won't be believing in God when I'm done. And this was back in the old days in 1986. He told us that was his, and I thought, okay, take your best shot. I wasn't really a believer at the time. I'd been raised in church, but I wasn't really a believer. I said, okay, convince me. So he would talk, and he would give these lectures on how evolution works and how all this came to pass. And one day we were studying the human nervous system. And the human nervous system is amazing. Let me tell you how to know you're created. Let's just imagine for a minute this chair was a, was a hot stove. If you go over and put your hand on it for a moment, you're going to go, just like that. You know, something crazy is going on, though. When you put your hand down, the nerves on your skin send out a red alert and says something is wrong. And it travels up your arm to your spinal, to your brain. And the brain gets a message from the finger, something's wrong. And the brain begins to process what's wrong. And it sends a message back saying, what exactly is happening? And the finger sends a message back and says, it's hot down here. <laughs> and the brain says, what should we do? And the finger says, I don't know, but what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> According to the Bible, move. And the brain says, which muscles should we use? How about the bicep? Yep. And I did that because mine is so obvious to see. You can't miss it, you know. <laughs> Just illustrating here. Monster here. Um, the brain says, bicep, evacuate. Yep. And the bicep said, are you sure? Yes, I'm, sure. I'm drawing this out. <laughs> bicep moves. 
and evacuates my hand from the danger zone. And all of that happens in a millisecond. Do you realize the communications that go boom, 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 quick? That doesn't just happen, my friends. I cut my thumb the other day. I was cutting a lime, and I wound up cutting my thumb and a finger and didn't even cut the lime. (laughs) I cut this deep gash in my thumb, and I looked at it this morning, and it's almost completely healed. That doesn't just happen, my friend. You give this body its proper fuel, it heals itself. Somebody designed this. Somebody made you. You're not random. They brought together a group of biologists and mathematicians, 50 biologists and 50 mathematicians, put them in a room together for a whole summer and asked them to study this question, can natural processes actually produce animate life left to themselves? They studied it for a whole summer, and you know what their answer was? Their answer said, their answer was, no, it's mathematically impossible for that to happen. There just isn't enough time. Even if you push the age of the earth back billions and billions of years, which is farther than it really is, you cannot have enough time for us to spring up randomly. It just didn't happen. That college professor told us about the nervous system and how chemical concentrations actually spin up your nervous system to produce something like an electric charge that runs up and down your arm and your spine and over your whole body. That man converted me. I left that classroom that day, and I'll never forget the moment I was walking back to my dorm. I said, I don't know what his goal was. Well, he told me what his goal was. I said, I guess he failed because I believe in God more than ever today. More than ever. There's got to be a God in heaven. Because that kind of thing doesn't just happen. You didn't just happen. If we tell children that they're just random, they're going to act like it. You ever heard of random, senseless acts of violence? We're going to act randomly when we think we're the product of a random process. If you tell a child he's nothing more than a highly developed animal, he or she's going to act like an animal. My friends, this book right here tells me that you and I were created by Jesus Christ in the image of a holy God and a righteous God. He's put His stamp on us, His mark on us. And we were made by Him, not randomly. Every child, God personally creates their spirits and places that spirit in them. They are more than biology. They're spirit. There's so much suicide in our world today. There's an alarming increase in suicide rates among young people. Young men specifically. There's been such an increase in suicides among young men. Can I tell you today, if you're considering that, 
Don't throw away what God has created. If you're facing a wall of darkness right now that you just can't see to the other side, can I tell you today, wait, find help. It's here. And you will get through that darkness. There is light on the other side that you will find. No matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, there's light on the other side of this wall right now. I want you to hear me. There's light. Jesus made you. Jesus made you. Receive that today. Number one, Jesus is our creator. And when we realize that, we live with accountability. And we live with purpose. Second thing, and I'm at part two and running out of time. I've done this twice today now. Jesus is life itself. John wrote this about Jesus. He's the creator. He's light. John said the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. You know what that means? What does it mean he gave us life? Well, he gave you the breath you breathe, yes. He gave you your heartbeat. But he gave you deeper life than that. The New Testament was written in Greek. That's why we talk about the Greek language a lot. Because in order to really understand the New Testament, sometimes you really need to dig a little bit into the nuances of the Greek language it was written in. And in Greek, when, when, when John wrote, in him was life, John used a very special word in Greek. There were three words in Greek for life, at least three. The first one, you ready to learn a little Greek today? First one was bios. Everybody say bios. bios. That's where we get biology. Bios means you've got a pulse. Bios is physical life. Bios means that you're breathing. And everybody here today has bios. At least you did when you came in. Look around and make sure all of us still have bios. If anybody doesn't, we need to know about it. Bios. If you're living and breathing, you have bios, right? Second Greek word for life is called suke. Everybody say suke. Suke is your mental life. It's the life you have in your mind. The Greeks saw it this way. You have a physical life, you have a mental life. And don't we have a mental life? We're thinking of something all the time. Some of you thinking right now, what am I having for lunch? This guy will ever stop, I'm going to Cracker Barrel or Eggs Up or some wonderful place. I'm even thinking of that right now as I'm preaching. I'm wondering what I'm going to have for lunch. Because we have an active mental life that can spin on a whole lot of processes, right? That's suke. There's a third form of life, and it's the word that John used when he said, in Jesus is life. And it's the word zoe. Everybody say zoe. If you ever hear anybody named Zoe, they're named after life. Zoe is our spiritual life. It's the abundant life we can find in Jesus Christ. One of our kids asked me this crazy question, a crazy good question the other day. Uh, It's been some months ago. kid out in the lobby asked me this question. By the way, your children at Upward are being so incredibly discipled to serve Jesus Christ. We sent a group of children to youth camp this summer And I happened to be friends with the speaker at the youth camp. And he texted me during the week that they were there. And he said, what are y'all doing with your kids at Upward? He said, they are the most well-versed and astute kids in the Bible that I've ever met, that I've ever spoken to. He's a pastor. And he said, I'm coming to Upward to visit. And I'm going to visit your youth pastor and your children's pastor to find out what y'all are doing. 
And I was so blessed by that. Yeah. But I see it because our kids ask, us, ask me these powerful questions. Kid asked me this. He said, Pastor, I read in Genesis where God told Adam and Eve that when they ate the forbidden fruit, they would die. Why didn't they die? What a powerful question that was. And I explained to this child, you want to know the answer to that? Some of you say, yeah, tell us why. That's okay. Why didn't they die? Well, here's what. They didn't lose their bios, their physical life. They didn't lose their suke, their mental life. What they lost was zoe, their spiritual life. They died spiritually. And ever since then, every baby that's born has bios and suke, but is missing zoe. That's the tragedy of sin. That's the tragedy of our fallen condition. We come into earth breathing and thinking, but not living. Do you realize you can be breathing and not living? I should have put thinking in there with it. You can be breathing, you can be thinking, and still not really living. Because you were made to have Zoe life. John says, in him was life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I came to bring Zoe, Jesus says. That's real living. You ever done something fun and all of a sudden thought, man, I feel alive. For me, it's water. If I get around water, I feel alive. When I walk in the ocean, I feel alive. When I walk through a creek, I feel alive. We were walking with some kids the other day, church kids, and we were walking up by a creek. They were in the creek splashing around. I thought, this is life. We're in touch with God's creation. That's all good, but Zoe's more than that. Zoe's being awakened in your heart. Zoe is real life coming into you. I found this out and figured this out over years and years. It's not that hard to figure out. We're born with bios and suke, but we're born longing for Zoe. And we try to find Zoe in stuff. We try to find Zoe in accomplishments. We try to find Zoe in money. We try to find Zoe in relationships. And hear me, the best way to mess up your life is to try to find Zoe in all the wrong places. Can I tell you this? There's only one place you can get it. I'm sorry that's so exclusive, but sometimes there's only one place you can get it. I love cheer wine. You can't find it everywhere. I went to Bible college in Louisiana. I was a kid, never hardly left North Carolina. I went to the grocery store and said, I'm going to get me some cheer wine. They don't have cheer wine in Louisiana. So every time I came home, I'd load up with cheer wine. Here's one thing they had in Louisiana, though. Bluebell ice cream. (laughs) Came out of Texas. Now, you know what that is now. Let me tell you, when I was a kid, we were in the sad state of not having Bluebell in North Carolina. I was married with children and got stuck in Houston, Texas, and had to go outside the airport. And the first place I went, 
I went to a gas station and found me some Bluebell. You knew I'd get around to food sooner or later, didn't you? If you really want life, there's only one place to get it. You won't find it in Buddha. You won't find it in Muhammad. You won't find him in a church. You won't even find it in Upward. There's only one place to get life, and that's Jesus Christ, the creator of the world who is both life and light. I didn't get to light today, but here's what I'm going to tell you. John said, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Of all the darknesses in the world today, it cannot put out the light of Jesus that shines in His church. We're here shining that light, and darkness cannot stop it. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, we love you and thank you today for the glorious opportunity to be together in this place, learning from your word. And I ask you today, you would do your work and accomplish it all in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder, we've had people today say yes to Jesus. We're not embarrassing anyone, and we won't embarrass you, but I just wonder how many in the room would say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus right now. I'm just saying yes to Him. Can I see your hands right now? Would you lift it up high? God bless you so much. God bless you. Saying yes to Jesus. How many would say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus not only as my Savior, but as my Creator. I want to recognize every day that I'm created by Jesus. Can I see your hands this morning? There's several of them this morning. Can I just ask a brutally honest question? We're not going to run to you. We're not going to hurt you this morning. Can anybody just say, I've been wondering what my purpose in life even is down here. And I need to find a purpose desperately. Pray for me that in Jesus I can find why I'm put on this earth. Can I see your hands this morning? Several of them this morning. And I encourage you this morning, you've got a reason for being here. Jesus will show it to you. Talk to Him. Right now, I want us to pray with those that are saying yes to Jesus online right, and right here in the room. Would you pray with them this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for giving your life so that I might have life. This morning, I surrender my life to you. I give everything I am to you. Change me. Make me. Mold me into the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that great what God's doing? Oh, Greg told me when I got, went backstage, Greg was there. He said, the attendance at this 11 o'clock is insane this morning. You guys have packed the house at 11 o'clock. Usually this one's smaller. This one may be bigger than the early one this morning. But praise God, God's doing some good things. I want to bless you this morning. And I want to bless you in a, I want to explain it before I do. It's the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 61. And it's Jesus. It's Isaiah speaking and writing. Jesus used this very same passage to announce his mission later on and uh, I want to speak this over you because you and I are are fulfilling Jesus mission today in our world and that's what I'm speaking over you today you can lift your hands extend them this way to receive blessing 
Isaiah wrote and Jesus said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Some of you need to grab that. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like the great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they've been deserted for many generations. Revival's coming, folks, and you're going to be a part of it in Jesus' name. I commission you now, go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known in word and deed and in spirit everywhere you go this week. Amen. God bless you. Love y'all. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.